Oh, it's the week of the three ages. It's hazy, hot, and humid. But you know what? That means that it reminds you you need to figure out something to spend your summer in, in enjoyment. Have some fun. A concert, a sporting event, whatever. And to help you out, we have partnered with SeatGeek.com. That's right. You go to that website or you pull up the SeatGeek app. If your ticket purchase for any concert or sporting event you're looking to get to this summer is over 50 bucks. Use the promo code GOZ, G-O-Z, and I'll get you 20 bucks off your order. Again, SeatGeek.com, your purchase of $50 or more for any tickets to any sporting event, any concert, whatever it may be. Use the promo code GOZ, G-O-Z, to get yourself 20 bucks off. Again, that's SeatGeek.com. Save some money and enjoy your summer using SeatGeek, or just do what I did and download the app. It makes things a lot easier. And that said, episode 16 of Katie's Corner. Rocking and rolling. It's MLB All-Star break time, but also the time is winding down the perfect game collegiate baseball league. And as we typically have been doing over the course of the Amsterdam Mohawks season, we've been bringing in a guest from the Amsterdam Mohawks. And joining us right now is, whoop, there we go. I meant to hit the edit button. That's my bad. Uh, we are going to bring in the pitching coach for the Amsterdam Mohawks. A local guy, raised in Latham, graduate of Shaker High. I want to know Zach Breen. Zach, welcome into the show. How are you, good sir? Hey, Brian. How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, let, let's start things off with just going back. Uh, you were raised in Latham, but you weren't originally from Latham. How did the transition come from your family where you were born out in Oakland uh, how did the, how did it work out that you ended up being in Latham when you became a, when you uh, got older? Yeah, so um, born in Oakland, um, most of our family was up here, um, either in New York or somewhere down in Florida, down along the uh, East Coast at least. But um, you know, we just ventured back here. I was I was real young. I think I was I think I turned four somewhere across country. But been here ever since. Um, you know, ended up going away to school and. North North Carolina for college, but I've pretty much been a local guy for uh, 95% of my life here. Yeah, and just talking about the the journey that eventually led you to uh, where you ended up going to college at Barton. Um, you know, when you were growing up as a kid and eventually making your way through middle school and then to high school, was baseball always your number one focus, or were there other sports kind of in the mix as you were going along as an athlete? Uh, I played a little bit of basketball. It was more for fun, but um, baseball I loved. I absolutely love baseball. You know, I uh, got into the travel real young, started playing a ton of games a year, um, you know, and then some of the injuries piled up. But with that came, you know what? Hey, if I get hurt, I'm, I'm willing to get hurt because I love this game and it just keeps bringing you in. But yeah, baseball has been number one forever. And obviously you work way through high school. You're graduating as a, a blue bison out of Shaker High. Um Walk us through just the, the time when you were wrapping up things at Shaker and you were trying to figure out your college decision. What, what places were you thinking about and what ultimately led to your decision to at least stay home for the first couple of years of your college career? So my recruitment was pretty simple and pretty clear cut. Um, no pun intended. I had Tommy John my junior year of high school. So that took every bit of recruitment right out the window. Um, so I knew – Basically, my timeline to get healthy was from the fall of 2009 to 
Um, my senior season, which was in spring 2011, was just to be healthy. I gave myself about 17, 18 months to really get back into it, which is pretty typical nowadays. Um, you know, and the fact I knew as soon as I was healthy, I just wanted a place to go. I knew I was going to go to a community college. And um, fortunately, I, I went to Schenectady County Community College. And I played for Tim Andy. And, um, you know, what a great experience that was. Um, very, very a uh, strong turning point in my career was getting to play for him. He challenged me to be better. He challenged me to, um, you know, really be accountable for what I can do on the mound and expect the best out of me. And ultimately it was a couple emails that he sent down South, which led me going to North Carolina, but um extremely thankful for my time that I got to play for coach Andy. Now you, you, you brought up the, the Tommy John surgery. Um, in your recovery, was there any ever a point where you started second guessing yourself about if you really wanted to keep pushing yourself to get back out there, or was this all just you know what, screw this, I'm going to keep going, keep my head down, nose to the grindstone, no matter what it takes, I'm getting back out there. The toughest part for me was the surgery itself. You know, I'm I kind of have a phobia of um, you know needles and surgeries and you know everything it's just one of my weird phobias but um the toughest part for me was getting surgery as soon as i got out of surgery the rest was pretty easy you know it was i got this surgery to play baseball i tackled the tough part now let's let's go get it you know the, at my at my time i was 16 when i had it and there was little data back in 2009 and there wasn't a path for a lot of young guys like myself that were having tommy john so young but you know who cares? You know, it's, it's baseball, you know, you have the surgery, you go through it. Unfortunately, sports are sports. You're going to get hurt at times, but if you love it enough, you just figure out a way to adjust and get better. And, um, you know, the whole Tommy John process was probably a turning point in my whole life because at that point I started really studying some things and enlightening myself on, you know, how the body worked and mechanics and, you know, efficiency downhill. And, you know, it, it kind of helped my way as I went through college and I had a couple of good coaches pushing some other good tips on me. And, you know, sometimes you need an outside voice. And, you know, I had a couple of good ones, but, you know, that was it right there. As soon as I had the Tommy John, I started studying, getting into things and kind of went hand in hand in my coaching career where, you know, now my, my goal is to get back to the next generation. And hopefully that doesn't happen to, you know, the young guys. And I think we figured out some enough science to, you know, put people in the best position where they can minimize these things. And again, sports are sports. You're going to get hurt at times, but, um, you know, us as coaches, I feel like we can put our players in the best position for success and health, you know, first and foremost, but it all kind of tied into one big journey. And um, I'm, I'm thankful for all the battles I had to put up with along the way, but here we are. Hey, and you mentioned like, um, you know, setting guys up for success and, keep them healthy and that kind of just reminds me of you know these 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 people who were kind of from the old school from the old days of baseball who um you know they they they, they keep questioning about innings limits and pitch counts and all this other stuff that really wasn't being worried about saving even back as recent as i'd say the early 90s roughly That's right. um you know, just, uh, you know, guys that went out there and were constantly doing 300, 350 innings, con constantly going into the 120s and 130s for pitch counts. 
I would assume you're on the side of being happy there's been an evolution in that thinking and a, a greater uh, appreciation by managers and coaches and, and embracing, you know, bullpen arms and middle relievers and things of that sort. Um, how often do you find yourself getting into those conversations with whether it be older fans or older coaches and just trying to, you know, embrace your viewpoint and your side of things in, in that regard? Yeah, so I get into this conversation quite a bit. And uh, the best answer is there's really no exact answer. You know, everyone's a little bit different. You know, everyone has a injury history. Everyone's a little bit more flexible than others. You know, some people are pretty stiff downhill and, you know, some of their flexibility can lead to some things that, you know, may pop up along that side of the road. But what I would say as far as innings limits and pitch counts, I mean, you got to be smart. I mean, a lot of people coming off that COVID year didn't get to throw many innings. And then you see a lot of the times next year, you know, last year, people were riddled with injuries. I mean, unfortunately there was, it was all over whether kids weren't doing much. Unfortunately, that's, you know, the circumstances that we were given, but you know, there's a lot of that goes on to where the body creates, you know, a certain amount of conditioning and endurance and you can't just take that much time off. Um, and it's really hard to get that back. You know, especially any, anyone will tell you that's played sports for a while. The worst thing you can do is miss a bunch of time because then there's a the little bit of timing, the, feel um you know and if your feel isn't quite there then your timing's off and if your timing's off then you put in bad positions and it all down you know snowballs from there um but what i would say is you know at least what we've done with our team this year as far as innings go you know less is more um we have so much depth and so many arms and that's kind of what you need if you see the successful teams across college you know pros you know, look at how many guys they have in the bullpen that are capable of you know throwing, you know, a hundred, but not even a hundred, but keeping their walks down, filling it up and, you know, just competing out there. You know, you have more guys, every guy that comes in is a little bit better than the last. And that's when you have a formula where you're keeping everybody healthy, strong and, you know, winning, which, you know, creates a good environment in itself. We're going to get back to that concept of having uh, a number of arms because it ties into, this this season's success with the Mohawks. We'll get to that in a second. Um, so you end up getting through uh think County mentioned going down to Barton for the final two years uh, of your college career and end up doing very well for yourself down at Barton. Uh, some good numbers down there. Um, but then comes obviously you have to leave college. Um, what you're doing right after college and what eventually led you down the road of ultimately coming back home and find yourself affiliated with uh, frozen ropes. Um, first two summers out of college, I played, I tried to play a little bit of independent balls in the empire league. Uh, went to Watertown in 2016 and Plattsburgh in 2017. And I had another pretty significant elbow surgery along that time, just thinking I was Superman and I could throw, you know, any day that ended in Y, which never wins for anybody. But, um, I ended up coming home just realizing I'm a right-handed pitcher. I've had two elbow surgeries. I throw in the low 90s. I have a good breaking ball. Stop me if you've heard that before. There's there's probably a good amount of guys that are just like me that probably do something a little bit better than me. So, you know, at some time, you know, the, the game will tell you when it's time to move on. And fortunately, I, I got a, a, an opportunity with Frozen Ropes in Albany, and that was kind of the, the changing point. You know, there's a lot of things that got me going in my coaching career. 
um, you know, pretty early they gave me the freedom to do whatever I, I'd like to do and add in whatever I needed to do on the pitching side and just kind of take it over as my own and allowed me to have the creativity to, you know, work with all ages and all skill levels. And, you know, as soon as they supplied me with a Rapsodo and a reliable radar gun and a couple other things, they said, go ahead and take off and took off from there and just allowed to be creative and, um, you know, just really want to buy in and work every day. You know, that was the biggest thing. You know, I, I enjoyed, I was enjoying what I was doing. I was researching a lot. I was trying to learn every day and I was testing things out on my own. And, um, you know, that was really the basis for everything, you know, whatever happens, you know, going forward, it's, you know, everyone has, has that point where you really get off the ground. And, um, I'm just so fortunate to have that opportunity for the last four and a half, you know, current years, um, you know, associated with them. Before we finally get to the Mohawks, I got to bring up one other thing. You've also been uh, having this on-again, off-again relationship with the pitcher's mound still, with uh, the Albany right. Athletics. Right. Um, how's that been going for you? I know that you just pitched for them, what was it, like two months ago, I think? They uh, they had to make the yeah. phone call and uh, bring, the, uh, bring the old beard out of the bullpen to uh, – to come on and throw on an athletics yeah. uniform and get on the, the bump there. Uh, how, how have you been feeling? How's the arm feeling? Um, and what, what's that been like being able to play with the athletics? Well, playing with the athletics is incredible. I mean, I love those guys, Joe, Joe Altieri brings in a great group of guys, veteran heavy. We've been together. I've, I've been there parts of seven seasons and, you know, you see a lot of the same faces, you know, their families, you see now their kids running around and, you know, it's, it's a really tight knit atmosphere and, you know, just a bunch of good guys just getting out there still having the competitive itch. Um, yeah. I mean, this year I didn't really know what I was doing, obviously committed to the Mohawks and we start June 3rd and the twilight season, I think started May 14th. So we did the math and said, I might be able to get a couple innings in and if I can meet the appearance requirement, then I could be eligible for the playoffs if that came about. Totally ignoring the several. You know, I ended up opening night, a couple other appearances. Some rest and picked it up for four innings and still trying to extend my right arm. left in it it's uh it's it's fun when you're out there but it's not fun for the next two weeks that's for sure well considering you've had tommy john surgery then you had the follow-up elbow surgery yeah i I could understand how it not be fun for for a couple weeks for you um so one other thing involving uh pitchers that I would like to bring up. And this, this is something you could even address. Uh, maybe it's something you've actually uh, had conversations with a few of your, your students at Frozen Ropes or even some of the guys at the Mohawks. Um, this is something I, I kind of discussed with uh, Carson Catunia not too long ago when he was on the show. Uh, the the unwritten rules uh, of, of baseball in, uh, you know, like for whatever reason, it seems to always be a confrontation between a hitter or a runner and a pitcher. Like the the pitcher always seems to be centered around these unwritten rules for some reason. 
right. Are you a believer what? in these unwritten rules? Are there just certain ones that you do believe in and others you don't believe in? What's what is to be made of these unwritten rules, so to speak? Well, they're unwritten. They're not written down. They're unwritten. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Like as a player, if you bat flipped off me because you got one, like you should be that happy that you got one off me. Go ahead. I should have made a better pitch because when I strike you out, you know, in a run one run ball game in the ninth inning, then the game, I'm definitely going to let you know. So, I mean, I just think that's part of it. Like if you're competing so hard for something that goes, I mean, if you want to get into some things, I mean, if you're using technology to bend some of these unwritten rules, then yeah, like I understand that one, but I don't know. For the most part, it's, I think it's a lot to do about nothing. I mean, you know, let boys be boys, go play the game, you know, keep it clean. Definitely. want to show any you know in a 15 run ball game doing any of that but you know if, there, if, if there's a little banter back and forth i don't think it's always a bad thing you know it's sometimes you know a team needs that spark to get it going and adds a little bit of energy i really love it to keep playing it so So now going to the Mohawks. So for, for first off, before we get knee deep into um, like your coaching beliefs and, and all that, let's just talk about how the Mohawks came up. Because obviously, you come out of Barton, you go to Frozen Ropes and all that. When was the first time you were approached about being part of the Mohawks coaching staff? And just what what has it been like for you to be part of the Mohawks and around that community and around? Um, you know, Coach Griffin and all the regular faces you see year to year. Then emailed Brian, said, hey, you know, we've been in contact from, you know, just being around a baseball field over the last couple of years or so. So I was in good contact with him. Um, you know, fortunately enough, him and Coach Griff gave me a, an opportunity to interview and I did pretty well in the interview and, you know, it was an outstanding opportunity for me. It was something I really wanted, you know, being a player here in 2013 and 2014, I, I know from that side how much it means to the community and winning and, you know, how much the people in the community really go out of their way to help the Mohawks and support the Mohawks. You know, there, there's, there's a for that. The most family is incredible and, um, you know, a great opportunity on the field to learn, grow in and, and my career, but also, you know, see some of the play. Looking ahead to the playoffs a little bit and saying, hey, we're going to have a couple home games. And, I mean, home playoff game in that place and be around those people. All right, well, it looks like uh, 
Oh, there we go. Looks like Zach might be rejoining us. Um, sorry about the technical difficulties. Just been, you know, stuff happens. Uh, see if we got Zach. Hey, Zach, you there? Yeah, I see. I think I'm on. I'm on West Coast time. Yeah, I think I'm on West Coast time. Am I there? <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. You're good. Um, so real quick, you were just wrapping up about um, just talking about um getting involved with the Mohawks and um. I think the yeah, last I mean, question was about playoff baseball, potentially. Yeah, I mean, you know, the opportunity to play a playoff game and, you know, in that environment and play with those people supporting us and, you know, them being able to have the opportunity to see a game with those stakes, uh, it's, that's important. And that's what you, you know, we win to the – Now, again, a look at the – the way you've been coaching, like um, I know uh, you, you, you just, you're just you're very adamant. Just put it in there. If they hit it, congratulations. Like if they don't hit it, then good on you. Throw it in there again. Basically, you know uh, what's uh, you hear me, Zach? Yeah, yeah. Okay, just making sure. Um, it, it's it's a very it's a very blunt it's very simple you know just 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 put it in there um it's it just comes down to basic mathematics in the end of it you know how have the boys been embracing you as a coach as far as like uh you know how pretty simple and direct it is because you know a lot of guys it seems like they they try to overthink it and and overcomplicate things a lot and that's what really messes with a guy's head a lot but it seems like you you take a, just a very simple and direct approach just put it in there like um how the guy's been taking on that approach with you uh you know the, the guys have been great i mean they definitely um you know, show me a level of respect and it's fun to be around them. It's fun to work with them. And, you know, you kind of get involved and you want to see them, you want to work harder to play even the little slightest part in their career going forward. You know, everyone's here to get better and everyone's here with the goal of moving on to the next level. So, you know, if I can help that even 1%, you know, it's, that's a win in my book. Um, but as far as, you know, seeing the approach, these guys are really receptive to seeing some of the numbers, you know, I can go out there and I, you know, I got a bunch of to be the smartest person in the room to say wow we aren't good there or hey i'm pretty good there and this is a situation for him um so you know, if we're game planning, and of course, you're always looking, you know, a little bit ahead. What's the situation that could arise? Do we, do we need to get somebody ready? And, um, you know, putting guys repeatedly in a You know, it's some of the things, you know, at the end of the day, I guess you could say I'm always going to. He can hit from 20 mile an hour line drive. And if the shortstop catches it, in there, they call him out in baseball. So don't be afraid of anything. I know we play in a field with a 280 foot fence down each line after always in your favor to get somebody out. And you should not ever be scared to compete about it. 
And that's, that's, you know, try to, it's try to, that's how simple I try to make things. Like just go after and compete. Your best is always better. All right. Real quick before I let you go, I have to touch on specifically this season. It's been, uh, it's something unlike I've ever seen before. And I've only been with the Mohawks for a few years, but I mean, I, I'm certainly, I'm certain that this is also something, a sentiment that is shared by a lot of the fans as well. Like, this squad this year has just been like out of this world, something special. And it's, it's been doing it all kinds of different ways. I've been doing it at the plate scoring, you know, 10, 15, 20 runs. It's also been done on the mound in some low scoring tight games as well. Uh, how do you feel the, the general aura and just camaraderie that's going on with this team? It does it, does it feel different than any of the previous teams you've worked with for the Amsterdam and, and what do you see as the scene is, is winding down over the next week or so when we get to the postseason? What do you see with this team? Um, you know, from my perspective, you know, especially as the season's gone deeper and the winds have piled up, I just see a bunch of guys that go out there and really enjoy playing on the same field together and playing for each other. Um, there's really something about this group, about how close they are and how much they really want to fight together to win a ball game and win a championship. And there's a lot to be said about that. You can't put a number on, um, you know, t- team chemistry, but there's definitely something to be said. And that's the vibe we feel in the dugout. There's no question that all these guys in that dugout are playing for the same team and they're really going out there playing for each other. And you don't see that very often, you know, what it looks like when it's there, but, you know, Hope as we drive down these, you know, last couple games here going into the playoffs, it's, you know, it's it's pretty important because it's been a grind. We've played so many games in so little days, but I don't think that's had an effect at all. And everybody knows what's at stake and you know what we're playing for as the big picture goes. And um, you know, it's going to be really fun to see what this group can do when it matters the most. It's almost like there's a, an imaginary, well, not really an imaginary door. It's almost like the guys they show up, they show up, and you know they can, they can feel as good as they want about themselves. But once they walk in the the door to that locker room, it seems like all egos are checked there. There's no whining, there's no complaining. It's just all right. We're here to do a job. Let's go get it done. And obviously, one of the things that's helped out has been just kind of circle back to the one thing you mentioned earlier: a lot of power in numbers with that pitching staff because you've had. You have a lot of different arms you can go through as starters. They also got a great share of arms out there that can come in and give you a couple of solid innings out of the bullpen, like a, a Santosh uh, Ghanam, a Jack Sylvia, Luis Misla, all kinds of different guys that have been able to put in some work this year. I mean, it's got to make your your life a little bit easier knowing if I got that part power numbers out there. Yeah, it's a good problem to have. I'll tell you that. It's a really good problem to have. You know, some of these, you know, last couple games, you know, if a starter doesn't have it or, you know, we had an injury the other night and nobody panicked. All right, everybody, you know, hey, you guys are hot. Let's go. You know, how are we going to piece this thing to the ninth inning? You're a good matchup here. You're a good matchup here. You know, I like this lane for you. Here you go. And just, you know, trying to communicate as best you can with people. But it's it's a fun problem to have when you could say, wow, you know, I got, you know, I got 13, 14 guys down in that bullpen. You know, got four, five really good starters, and I could probably use just about any of them. And that's that's when it's fun. Well, Zach, I definitely appreciate your time. 
on the show. Uh, you, there's a fountain of information when it comes to um, the boys and when it comes to um, getting things done on the mound. So I really appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. Um, you know, let, let's let's get that that playoff push done and let's let's bring home that ship. Let's go get that ring in a few weeks. How about that? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you know, keep bringing the energy up in the booth. That's uh, you know, we'll do our part and try to put some over the wall, and you just take it over from there. Yeah, you've you've made my part pretty easy this year, I'd say. So don't you don't you worry about me. You just worry about what's going on on the field, all right, man? That's more than enough as it is. <laughs> all right, well, thanks, Zach. I appreciate it. Take care, all right. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Yeah, no problem. That was Zach Breen, the pitching coach for the Amsterdam Mohawks, and also an instructor over at Frozen Ropes in Albany. Um, if you want more information, by the way, about um, the work being done over at Frozen Ropes, just visit frozenropes.com and check them out. And obviously, any information about the Mohawks going forward, just check out amsterdammohawks.com. And now we get to... Hey, it's, it's, it's a good time to be somebody that's looking to trade in or sell a car off, all right? Let's just be blunt, all right? Mohawk Honda, the big team that can find what you're looking for by searching their lot or, hell, they'll search up and down the entire eastern seaboard to find the vehicle you're looking for for your lifestyle, your budget. But it's also a real opportunity for you to trade in or sell your vehicle as Mohawk Honda buys cars, and in some cases, they're going to be able to sell it for more than you paid for it as the supply chain is still facing challenges, creating a tremendous selling opportunity for you the customer, all you got to do is go over to Mohawk Honda where the buying and selling experience is always very easy, whether it's cars with Kern Svoboda, our boy Trav Landry, Luisa VIP Man Morales, C-Mac, Kim McKenna, or hell, go to the main man in charge. Go and get it right from the horse's mouth. Go to General Manager Greg Johnson. He'll help you out as well because at Mohawk Honda, Freeman's Bridge Road in Scotia, they want to buy your car and maybe even get you into a new car or a newer car. It'll fit your budget lifestyle. Mohawk Honda, Scotia, where they always go out of their way to please you. Real quick, going through with uh, our MLB update. Again, not really too much considering all the things going on with uh, the All-Star break this week. But there is something I do want to bring up. Um, And that is, this is what I'm going to call very simply as... Complex week. Yes. Yes. It's going to make sense about it. But to me, if you break down the three regional teams, Yankees, Mets, Red Sox, there is a complex of sorts that needs to be addressed by each of the three teams. And I'll get to that in a moment by starting with the Boston Red Sox. Obviously, they win the Friday game at Yankee Stadium, end up getting blown out Saturday and Sunday, which takes away all the good feelings you had from Friday. And right now, the Red Sox, by themselves in a peculiar spot now as they've fallen out of second place all the way down to fourth, 16 and a half behind the Yankees, three and a half behind Toronto, and two behind, excuse me, behind Tampa, and two games behind Toronto. Um, they still find themselves in a decent spot as far as the wild card chase is concerned, as Tampa and Seattle are separated by half a game for the two wild card spots, and then Toronto is a game behind, which puts Obviously, the Red Sox three behind for the uh, the second wild card spot. But the complex that occurs in Boston right now is injuries. Yes, injuries. It's been a constant problem on and off throughout the year. Chris Sale just came back 
got started for the season, his second start back, he's in Yankee Stadium. He takes a line drive off his hand. He fractures his pinky finger. He undergoes surgery. And now the team is hoping he can just pitch again at some point the rest of the season. So it's possible you only got one plus start out of out of Chris Sale this year. Just just freaking bonkers. Um, and then the other thing, Trevor Story on the IL. He has a wrist injury. How long is that going to take? And let me tell you this. As somebody who's watched guys come off of wrist injuries before, they are not very simple to come back from, especially as a hitter. Tremendously, tremendously difficult for a hitter, especially if they have a lot of wrist action within their swing and in their batting motion to get themselves back to 100% and hitting the ball as they were before. Now, And also, on top of that factor, and Trevor Story was your leader in RBIs on the team. And I also do believe he was the leading home run hitter, if I remember correctly. Bear with me for a second as I do pull up those statistics. Uh, yeah, Story, fifth, uh, excuse me, Devers leads the team in home runs, but still 58 RBI leads the team for Trevor Story with Devers at 55. So it's uh, – it's – it's just a, a crazy complex to have. And then the other complex I'll bring up right now is a home run complex. Because you take Devers and Story off the team, there's nobody else with more than nine home runs. Vasquez has six, Dahlbeck has seven, Xander has seven, um, Verdugo has six, Kike's been on the IL for what seems like forever. He has four, JD Martinez has nine, JBJ has one. Uh, Cordero and Arroyo each have four. Ref Sider has three. Like, this is definitely a, a team that's more hitting, trying to hit for average this year than they are for power. Um, as you see, the you know, averages of Vasquez at 273, Bogart's 316, Devers 324, Verdugo 262, JD 302. Um, there's a serious lack of the long ball on this squad. Um, and then to add to the injury complex, I mean, Rich Hill still injured. Michael Walker still injured. Josh Winkowski still injured. Just a, a tough, tough run of injuries for this Red Sox team. And now we, it, it kind of makes you wonder, do they push? Do they push hard enough to get a wild card? Because let's, let's be frank with ourselves. This is not a Red Sox team that's built to win the World Series. It's just, it's just not. Um so do you push yourself just to get into a wild card spot to ultimately get eliminated in the ALDS or the ALCS? Or do you take a step back and think, let's retool and rebuild. Let's let's get pieces for J.D. Martinez. Let's get pieces for this, that, or the other thing. Makes things interesting uh, as far as that's concerned. Before we get to the Mets and the Yankees, just want to remind you that this New York baseball segment is brought to you by our friends over at Johnstone Supply. Uh, summer's here. Especially this week, like I said, hazy, hot, and humid. It is hot outside this week. Uh, you can feel that heat, man. And if you want to stay cool all summer long indoors, unlike me as I'm in an office that doesn't have any air conditioning or a fan for for that matter, uh, call the Johnstone Supply in Troy. Ask the team about their high-efficiency central AC systems and dunkless mini-splits. They have tremendous brands such as Goodman, Fujitsu, and Westinghouse all in stock and at great prices. And if you need someone to help install the new system, not a problem because Johnstone Supply in Troy can help with that too. Talk to Tom, Kev, James Bird, whoever you want, and they will put you in a cooler place for the remainder of the summer. Call Johnstone Supply in Troy, 518-272-5922, or just give them a visit over at their store in 2600 6th Avenue in Troy. 
Get yourself a new AC system today. Do not catch yourself sweating away the rest of the summer. Make sure you can stay cool for the remainder of the summer. Again, 2600 Avenue, 6th Avenue in Troy, or 518-272-5922. Also, check them out, johnstonesupply.com. Now, moving from the Red Sox over to the Mets. It's pretty crazy. Uh, first off, DeGrom, he goes four innings pitch, one run, four Ks in his rehab start in Syracuse last Thursday. Um, was going to throw a sim game during the All-Star break, but they pushed that back. Um, he might do it tomorrow as we're recording right now, Wednesday, July 20th. Um, they're originally going to try to do it sun, um, Sunday or Monday. Um, but on Sunday, DeGrom was experienced a little shoulder discomfort, um, but did throw um, both Monday and Tuesday. So things look a lot better in that regard, but uh, is something to worry about potentially uh, as they wait and see. Right now, there's, they're hoping for Thursday to take care of that sim game, however. But the, the complex the, the Mets have, I mean, they're in a good spot. So there's not really a whole lot to have a complex about. They're two and a half clear of the Braves, eight and a half clear of the Phillies. They're 58 and 35, one of the best records in baseball. Um, injuries, I mean, James McCann's on the injured list. Other than that, you got McGill, and then obviously you're waiting for DeGrom. So I wouldn't say injuries are really a big thing right now. The big thing right now, is me trying to figure out these hit-by-pitch numbers when it comes to Major League Baseball. The New York Mets right now have, and of course, the picture I took uh, has overshadowed everything. Um, so, uh, the New York Mets have 63 hit-by-pitches. Canha leads the team with 10, 9 apiece for Nimmo and Alonzo, 7 on Lindor, 7 on Marte. When you take a look at other teams, the Mets, by the way, lead the league, 63. I, I don't understand it. The next closest team is Cincinnati with 57, Baltimore 56, the Giants 52, the Mariners 52, the Cubs 47. So three of those five teams I just mentioned are not even close to being anywhere in the playoff picture. Seattle could be potentially if they get on a run, and the Giants could be if they get on a run. But let me just bring up a few other teams real quick, okay, that have pretty decent lineups. Boston. Boston has 36. Toronto, we all know the firepower they have in their lineup. The Toronto lineup has 37. The New York Yankees, okay, 64-28. One of the best records to start off a 92-game season in franchise history. 40-hit batsmen. The Mets are far and away going through this problem more than any other team in baseball. And there has to be some kind of explanation to it. Like, I, I, like I'm not understanding it. I'm not understanding how the Mets are going through this right now. And it's a constant thing that's really ticked off Buck Walter and ticked off some of the players. And I don't blame them. It's, it's a problem. It's a big, 
big problem. And it just, it seems like nobody in MLB wants to address it. Nobody wants to even bother. But I suppose it is what it is. I, I don't even know what to say at this point. Like, just a lot of ridiculousness, to be quite honest. The final thing, the New York Yankees. Um, oh, by the way, I meant to, I forgot to mention the schedules uh, for the respective teams. Boston, they have three with Toronto this weekend, followed by four in Cleveland Monday through Thursday. Uh, the Mets are off thir- until Friday as well. They have three at home against the Padres, and they're off Monday before a short two-game subway series against the Yankees at City Field. As for the Yankees, uh, their news and notes. Jonathan Weisinger, his first appearance off the IL against Cincinnati this uh, last week. Woof. Woof. Um, Sevy goes on the 15-day deal with a low-grade latch strain. Not expected to throw for another two weeks. Yay. Um, on the good side, uh, well, still on the bad side, they lose two out three of Cincinnati, but then on the good side, they take two out of three from Boston. So the crappy feeling you had coming out of the Cincy series, you made up for in the Boston series, especially those Saturday and Sunday games. So now this begs the question, one thing real quick. Um, the chances of Aaron Judge getting to 61, which were 92 games in. Judge has played in 89. So he's been, he's gotten three days rest over the course of the 92 game season thus far. He has 33 home runs, which puts him right around the area of that 61, 62 home run mark. I have heard it argued that the Yankees might purposely hold him back from getting 61 and give him extra rest during the second half. That, to me, is absurd. And not only would that be absurd to Aaron Judge, I think that would be absurd to a lot of Yankee fans. Because the number 61 hasn't meant Jack in a quarter decade because of what happened with McGuire and Sosa and Bonds. Now you have a chance for a Yankee to make that number feel important again to Yankee fans. And make it feel really important. Because Judge is in a contract year. And everybody knows about the contract negotiations that have happened on and off between Judge and his representation and the Yankees. If I'm Aaron Judge and they are and they end up doing that, I'd be pissed to high heaven about that. Supremely pissed off about that. But that's that's not the complex I want to get to. The complex I really want to get to involving the Yankees is the Joey Gallo complex. Now, obviously, they've gotten to a point now where Joey Gallo is more expendable than ever before because Matt Carpenter has been ridiculously good since joining the Yankees, um, which now gives you legitimately, in my mind, four and potentially five outfielders to rotate through there, which would be Hicks, Carpenter, Stanton, Judge, and potentially LeCastro. So Gallo becomes supremely expendable. So let's just say this. Let's just sum everything up for Joey Gallo. 
Joey Gallo has officially reached Kayagawa and Carl Pavano territory. New York did not work. This is a failed experiment. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's if it's Joey just not liking New York. I don't know if it's just him going through crazy struggles. But since he's joined the team, he's been averaging over a strikeout a game. It's it's it's, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. He's still batting 164. He struck out 98 times. He's striking out once for every three plate appearances. All right? Or less than that, actually. He struck out 98 times in 257 plate appearances over 75 games. He's he's averaging a strikeout at less than three plate appearances. And now the plate appearances that are official at bats, which are 219, that brings the ratio even closer to two to one. Now, yes, he also is fifth on the team in walks with 38. But does that really absolve the 98 strikeouts and a buck 64 batting average? 36 hits. 36 hits. And because Joey Gallo, almost a third of those hits are home runs. But they're typically either A, meaningless home runs, and just, 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 it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. To me, you're at a point where you could even DFA Joey Gallo if you want. They're not going to because there's too much money attached to him. But this is a complex that needs to be answered at some point. I don't know how. I don't know when. But at some point between now and when you expand to 40 in September, this has to be addressed by someone in the Yankees front office. Uh, that being said, the schedule coming up, they're doing a random doubleheader at Houston tomorrow. I don't know why. Don't ask me. Uh, then they play three in Baltimore Friday through Sunday before having Monday off and then two at City Field against the Mets before coming back home to Yankee Stadium. So interesting scheduling there from MLB. You do what you got to do with it. Uh, that being said, that's it. That's episode 16 of Katie's Corner. Thank you very much for checking out the show. Presented by Godzilla Media, sponsored by our good friends of our Mohawk Honda, SeatGeek.com, and at Johnstone Supply in Troy. Try to stay cool the rest of the week. This weather is crazy. 90s all week, a lot of humidity. Try to stay cool if you can. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed your all-star break, and let's get back to some baseball, all right?